0: All right, Good luck, everyone, thank you for joining. Um, we decided to uh, study the Kuntras of Aves Yisrael, this publication that the Rebbe asked to print about Havis Yisrael in order to increase the Havis Yisrael in our community and to bring the uh, blessing down. Because the Torah says, we say in our prayers, bless us, our father, all is one. So by uh, increasing in Aves it's a key to receive all of God's blessings. And there is two teachings, which I wanted to share tonight, that uh, will be uh, enhanced by the story I want to share. The first teaching is that al said, the first door, that leads into the courtyards of God is Av That's the first door that leads to the courtyards of God. And the Baal Shem said that every, the mitzvah of Av has a positive element and a negative element. The positive element is it's a mitzvah to love your fellow like yourself. And the negative element is not to hate your fellow Jew. And then the Baal Shem, then the Tov concluded And the simplicity of a simple Jew, his prayers, his recital of psalms, he's doing a mitzvah, because God said so, is very precious in heaven. Tonight, Matzah Shabbos, it's a custom, to mitzvah to have a m'lava malka. And it says that by eating a m'lava malka, we, we bring a blessing to ourselves to merit the resurrection of the dead, because the resurrection of the dead, Mashiach will come, also those who passed away will live. Uh, God will use a bone in the body, in the the back area called the loose. And with that bone, God will resurrect all those who passed away. So that bone is nourished only from the food that we eat on Matzah Shabbos. Only the food that we eat tonight, Matzah Shabbos, do we, um, do we have nourishment to um, f- for that bone? So that's the key to the future, the key to the coming of Mashiach and living forever. Chiyas resurrection of the dead. When you think about the coming of Mashiach, the resurrection of the dead, think about the future, you think about heaven, what's your picture of heaven? What does heaven look like? Maimonides writes that there are a lot of things that we can't imagine how pleasurable they are because of the limitations of our body, and one of them is ganeden. We can't imagine how, in, how good ganeden is, how pleasurable ganeden is, because everything we see is filtered by our senses, and our physical senses aren't able to comprehend ganeden. And certainly, the greater goodness, the coming of Mashiach, the resurrection of the dead, are some, are things that we can't possibly fathom. There was a uh, sadik. I don't remember who it was who pointed out the following. As in the Talmud, if you embarrass someone in public, you have no share in the world to come. You cause someone to be shamed in public, the Talmud says you have no share in the world to come. So someone commented on this, one of the great Hasidic masters, I don't remember who, he said, you don't have a share in the world to come because you don't really belong there, it doesn't fit in. The world to come is a place of such love and kindness and friendship that someone who's who's engages in that kind of activity doesn't doesn't fit in. What, what would he do there? Was the expression he used. What would he do there in the world to come? So when we think about Chizamayim Mashiach, everlasting good, we think about what that means. There is something in the story i wanted to share with you which gives us some insight about where we're going, what Gan is about, what Mashiach is about, what the resurrection of the dead is about. What goodness is about. What is the in the words of Al-Shamtif? is the first door that leads into the courtyards of God? So here's a story. This story is printed in the storyteller by Rabisen Mandela. It's printed in Talks and Tales. It's printed in and Salay. It's printed in, I think, I don't have it with me, but I think it's also printed in the treasury of Hasidic Tales. It's not a story that was shared by, by our Rabbain, but it's definitely a well-known story shared in many different Sephardim. The story goes like this. It's the first day of Sukkos, and a Melech of Lezhensk, and a Bzusha of Annapoli, they're walking through their synagogue, and then the Melech turns to the Bzusha and he says to him, can you sense the fragrance of Gan Can you sense the fragrance of heaven here in the synagogue? And the Zusha says, says, yes, I, I do. Where's it coming from? And they go from bench to bench in their, into their synagogue, trying to find the fragrance of heaven. And they stop by a uh, bench and they, ah, this is where it's coming from. And they go over to this man and Rebzusha says, there is a scent coming from your Esrik, a scent from Gan Eden. Can you tell us about this Esrik? And who, who you are, why does your Esriq have a scent of heaven in your Esriq? So the man told them, my name is Uri, and I come from Srlisk. That name isn't resonating a bell. He became a tzaddik and a leader in his own right. Uh, Uri of Srlisk is one of the famous Hasidic giants. At that time, he wasn't well known. So Uri of Srlisk told them the following. He says, my wife and I aren't doing that well in regards to earning a livelihood, I work as a school teacher, and my wife works as she hires herself out as a cook, and we're not doing that great, but we simply get by. And we there's one mitzvah that really is precious to me, and that's the mitzvah of having a lulav and Essek. and I always try to have the most beautiful lulav and Essek in my town, and everyone in town always uses the lulav and Essek that I have. And I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to um, to have a beautiful lovenestig this year as well. I always get a lovenestig from Lemberg. So this year, we, uh, as every year, we divide our entire year salary in half. Half of it goes to buying a lovenestig, and half of it goes towards our livelihood for the rest of the year. We spend fifty percent of our year's salary whatever my wife makes as a cook, whatever I make as a school teacher, that's dedicated towards buying the Louvenessor. So I went to Lemberg and I had with me 50 golden rubles. On the way to Lemberg, I stopped off at a hotel and there is a a, a Kretschmer, old time hotels, it wasn't the Marriott. And uh, I see this man who's who's angry and he's upset and he's he's really, really not, not doing well. I go over to the man and I say to him, What's wrong? What's wrong? I have a wagon and I'm supported only by the money that comes in through bringing people from place to place, from, carry, from, from shipping things through my wagon. And the horse died and I can't afford to buy another horse. So what am I gonna do? I'm really stuck and I have nothing. So the innkeeper, the owner of the Kretschmer, he tells this man, you know what? I actually have a horse for sale. The horse is really a good, really good horse. This horse is worth probably about a hundred golden ruble. but I'm going to give it to you for 50. I'll give you a horse for 50 golden ruble, As long as uh, you give me 50 golden rubles, I see how this is so distressing you. So instead of you having to pay the enormous amount of money for a new horse, I will give you my horse for just 50 golden ruble. Great deal. The man starts to laugh. He says, I don't have more than a few pennies. I certainly don't have 50 golden ruble. And it's ridiculous for you to even offer this to me. If you knew my financial situation, you know there's no way I could afford 50 golden ruble. So Urius here's hears an exchange. He sees how this guy is, is really how, how upset he is. So Urius goes over to the innkeeper and he says, what's the lowest you would sell it for? He says the lowest I would sell for is 45 golden ruble. I can't sell it for any less because I would lose. I could only sell the lowest I can go is 45 golden ruble. So, Richard Lisk makes a quick calculation and he gives the man 45 golden ruble. And in order not to get too many, to, to get to be the, um, on the receiving end of the man's appreciation, he just runs away quickly and it goes off to Lemberg. Now, instead of having 50 golden ruble, he only has five left. And he goes towards Lamberg. What Reburi did is similar to, I don't know if you heard the minute of Torah on Friday, I shared this story, unbelievable story. Uh, This man's talking to the Rebbe about something that concerned him, but it was something very mundane, very earthy. He didn't feel like it was right to burden the Rebbe with this very earthy conversation, but at the same time he wanted the Rebbe's advice, so he's talking and sharing with the Rebbe, but he's not sharing. It's like he's very ambivalent. The Rebbe senses his ambivalence. And the Rebbe tells him the following story. The Rebbe says, I once visited my father in law, and it was the holiday of Sukkot. And although, technically, according to Halacha, you're allowed to write during Cholamoy, during the intermediate days of Sukkot, for various reasons, but it's not the custom of our Rebbeim, of our Rebbe's, to write on Sukkot. In fact, the Rebbe himself will not write on Sukkot. The many letters that were sent by the Rebbe on Sukkot were signed by the secretaries, but the Rebbe himself would not write anything on Sukkot. So the Rebbe saw his father-in-law writing the letter, and then he saw the letter was a letter helping, addressing someone's need for a job, trying to help this person find the job. And the Rebbe asked his father-in-law, "Why do you allow yourself to engage in such, in such a mundane task for the sake of on such a holy day?" The previous shepherd responded, Zain Gashmias is my Ruchnias. His material concerns are my spiritual concerns. And that's what the Uri did as well. The he went and gave away his Esrik, this beautiful Esrik that he could have bought, and instead he went to Lemberg with his five ruble left and he bought some simple Esrik. So he told the and Reb Zusha, that's why I'm here in Lezhansk because usually the whole town comes to us and wants to use their esrik, and it's embarrassing to have this, this little esrik, which is not so nice. It's kosher, but not so nice, when you know we're, we're like the, the center of attraction on Sukkot, so we decided this year on Sukkot to go to another town so we shouldn't have been embarrassed. So the male told Reb Uri, he said, that's half the story. Let me tell you the other half of the story he said that the wagon driver when he saw that you you give him your 45 golden ruble and you are a total stranger he came to the conclusion that it must be that god had seen his plight and god had sent him elijah the prophet to assist him and he was so excited and so happy to to feel to be the recipient of God's direct beneficence that God cares so much about him. They sent a lie to the prophet specifically for him. So he shouldn't suffer. He was so elated and so happy and so thankful. So he went into his horse and wagon and he didn't, didn't know how to express his love for Hashem. Hashem, do you know how much I love you? How could I show you how much I love you? This man didn't know how to pray. He didn't know how to, to uh, any words of Torah. So, But he realized this was like he had to show his appreciation for God so he took his whip and he struck the air and he says, I love you, Hashem. He says again, I love you, Hashem. He strikes the air again three times with his whip. I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. Meanwhile, what was going on in heaven at the time was as follows. Reb Levi Yitzchak who is called by our Rebbeim is called the he's called the uh, defending angel of the Jewish people. He had brought with him to heaven. I don't know what this means. This is the way the story is told. I don't know the definition of these items, but this is the way the story is told. He had a wagon full of all the merits of the Jewish people. And he wanted to present this wagon in heaven to bring blessing for the new year, Rosh Hashanah. And this wagon was being stopped by the Satan, by the accusing angel, who is the opposite, who is whose angel, whose job is to accuse the Jewish people, and he's producing all of these sins that the Jewish people have done, and therefore they shouldn't deserve God's blessing for the new year. And Rabbi Yitzchak couldn't bring the wagon forward, whatever that means. So ramel Chlebienisk said, "I tried to help." Rabbi Shmuel also tried to help. We couldn't get the wagon forward, but when this man took the whip. And he said to the Ebishter, I love you, Ashem, I love you, Hashem, I love you, Hashem. That brought the wagon forward and was able to bring the merit for the Jewish people for a good year. That's what Ramel Melech told of Uri Yisraelisk. That's the meaning of his Esreg having the scent of a ganeb. There's a lot of remarkable elements in the story of Uri's sacrifice for another Jew and the, the simple love of Hashem that this guy expressed and how valuable it is to Hashem. But I find fascinating another element in the story. What is heaven? What is Gan Eden? Maimonides says, we can't imagine what Gan Eden is, but from the story you see the Gan Eden, what's Gan Eden? What's the scent of Gan Eden? Gan Eden? is a place of pure love. And therefore, this esrig, this esrig which was bought because of his sacrifice to help someone else, what does this Esther have in it, that has in it a scent of Ganeid, that's what the Esriq is, the Esriq is a scent of Ganeid. So, as we prepare for the coming of Mashiach, which is far greater than Ganeid, and we're, in the words of the Rebbe, we're at the last stop, ready to cross over into Eretz Israel. We're already able to experience a higher kind of Avi than than it was ever possible before. We're able not just to, during the time of the three weeks, it's known that people talk about Avi Chisrael because the cause of the, of the the destruction of the Temple was central's hatred, and the way to rectify it is to have more Avi Chisrael. The Rebbe says not just about rectifying the the the, the, the issue, what about the the destruction? We're right now so close to coming to Mashiach. They were able to taste of the Aves Yisrael, the coming Mashiach. We're able to taste of the future. Mashiach is about, Chisameisim is about pure Aves Yisrael. And now that we're standing by the Jericho in the language of this week's Torah portion, this week's coming Torah portion has talked about the 42 journeys Jewish people took from Egypt to Israel. And the Baal says that just like there's 42 journeys from Egypt to Israel, there are 42 journeys from Egypt to Mashiach. And there are 42 journeys in a person's lifetime. There are 42 stations of, of your lifetime. And so too, there are 42 journeys from Moda Ani until you go to sleep at night. There's 42 journeys of every day. So where are we in history? We're now by Jericho. And therefore, it's possible to taste of the obviously Yisrael, the coming of Mashiach, which is just not about thinking about how this will be about blessing or, or reward or what consequence, but just to really feel the true Av is what we're empowered to do at this time. And that was the story I wanted to share. And we, Hashem Sheh bless us all with a wonderful week. Ratzlach HaRabba. More Av more blessing. And see the coming Mashiach karamamish. Amish. Any questions, oh. comments, criticism, tomatoes, newcomers? Yechi HaMalach. HaGutvach Chaim Shalom. HaGutvach Rabbi Riber. nuriel Nuriya. HaGutvach Lewis <laughs> family. HaGutvach. HaGutvach, HaGutvach. Good work. Thank you.